shared for a while. Other people, Mandy and Lisa and others, have been sharing amazingly in church. But we're excited. We're sharing over the next couple of weeks just to share what's on our heart and, um, yeah, what we feel God's saying for the season we're in. So take us away, Joshy. Thanks, sir. Morning, church. Morning. Yeah, what an awesome word from Mandy. Is she in here? She's out. That was an awesome word last week, Mandy, wherever you are. She's in the kitchen. Just eating food. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. And I put her on purposely for me to go after her so I'd sound better, but then she nailed it. So now I'm like, ah. Nah, just joking. She did an amazing, amazing job. Cool. Well, it's good to be here. Good to be sharing it with you on this beautiful day. Um, I, um, you know, Sarah and I looked at our, at the start of this week, we looked at our week and we're like, right, we're preaching, we've got this on, this on, and like, so normally we set aside a time for me to prepare or whoever's speaking to prepare and, and that, and then, um, and then Esther got sick and then I got sick and, um, so my preparation kept pushing back, but while I, like, I had what I wanted to share on in my head and I'm like, all right, this is what I'm sharing on all the time, so I'm trying to think about it, but I was like hallucinating and, and that there was one, one morning I woke up in bed and I don't know if I woke up or I just, I don't know what I was doing, but I'm like, all oh, the mountains are gone, it's flat, like the bed was just flat, I don't know what it was, and I'm like, the mountains are gone, it's flat, I'm, God's telling me we're going to be moving mountains, I'm like, what mountains are we moving, I don't know what mountains, I'm, I don't know, I was just hallucinating, I'm not talking about mountains, but it was just one of those weeks where... Um, yeah, trying to figure out what I'm speaking about through the hallucinations and um, while hugging the toilet. So, um, yeah, we became good friends. But cool, anyway, I got, I got there and I, I'm, um, I'm sharing a, a, a message that's been on my heart for a couple of, or nearly a couple of years now. I heard a message a year and a half or so ago and, um, and God has put it on my heart and, and every time I sit down to just prepare this message, it just hasn't been the right time and, until... I feel it is now, so it's been a, um, and I got the concept of the message from a guy called Banning Liebescher, I think is how you say it, he's um, part of the Jesus Culture crew, so um, I will be showing a few of he, part, inserts of his message he shared, because he says it better than I could, anyway, so here I go, Ephesians 4.11, um, before I start there, you know, I, I love the local church, I grew up in church from, um, three or four years of age, I started coming to church, and I have a deep, deep passion for the local church, but if you ask what I'm about, I want it, my heart is to see communities transform, I have to see souls won, to see a nation changed, and um, that, that's my heart, but the local church is the vehicle from which God wants to transform communities and nations, and transform nations. The local church is the vehicle from which God wants to pour out His Spirit on people and really empower them and empower to go and impact communities, you know, so I believe wholeheartedly in the local church. And today I believe that God wants to give us a new perspective on the local church, to give us clarity, to just slightly change angles and, and how we, we view the local church. You know, when you see something, you can't quite make it out until you just step and look and go, ah, that's what that is. I just feel God's just wanting to do um, that today, just change slight shift in perspective when we look at the local church. Cool. So Ephesians 4, 11, verse 14. Um, cool. Where are we? 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature at attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. This is Jesus sharing here, like... They're talking about Jesus here. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of the service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in all the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature and no longer infants, no longer children. And that Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of of his household. And, I, and that's what I believe that God wants to change a perspective on how we view the church in this area. You know, the church is a family, it's not a business. And, and we all might agree with that, and we all might like, yeah, that's, that's true, but do, we, but do we live it like that and approach it that way? The church is a house, not a business. God's plan was to always have a family in the earth that will represent him. God's plan was to have sons and daughters, not employees, who would carry out the work of the Father, be about the Father's business, and actually represent his heart to the world. This is a family concept. And when he is calling for laborers in the harvest, he is calling for sons and daughters who have captured the heart of their Father, who desire that none shall perish, that they will capture the same desire and carry that out as sons and daughters, not as employees, who are working for a paycheck or, a, or feel obligated or duty-driven, but are driven by the love for their father. You know, it's all about, always been about family, a family representing the father in the earth. And, you know, that's why your life should take on the characteristics, characteristic, characteristic of your father because you're a son and a, a daughter and you carry the family name. You know, I heard this story once about this, um, this like, whose his two-year-old son at the time, every time he stood up, he would groan, he would do the old man, and get up out of the chair every time he'd get up. And he's like, why is, he, why is he doing that? Like, why is he groaning every time? And he couldn't figure it out until one day he was getting off the couch himself. And, it's, and he's like, whoa, wait, that, that's, that's me. He's just, you know, the son was just doing what the father was doing. And, that, and, it, and it's like, who, who as a dad sees their kids do things and you're like, oh my gosh, that's... You know, like, particularly for me, my oldest, Zeke, he's so like me, like, I have to go stare at you discipline him because that's just me disciplining himself. And, and that, so, uh, yeah, but like, he's a good kid. You know, that's what we do, we copy the father. And as a family in the earth, why do we love? Because that's what our Father does. Why do we forgive? Because that's what the Father does. Why do we do these things? Because that's the characteristic, that word again, or the nature of the Father. That's why we do these things. You know, here's the deal. How we approach the church matters. If a church is a family, not a business, then how you see it matters. Because how you see something determines how you engage it and how you interact with it. That's my daughter. You know, if I see it incorrectly, I can't engage with it properly. If we see something incorrectly, we can't engage with it the way we're meant to. 
The church is a family, not a business. Or we could say it's a house, not a restaurant. You know, when I go into a, a restaurant, you know, I expect service. That's why I'm going there. Like, if I sit down, I expect someone to bring me a glass of water. You know, I expect um, what I order. I actually get what I order. Do you know how sometimes you order things? Like, I hate um, red onion. Like, I'm just not a fan of it. Or like, if I have onion, it's got to be cooked and cooked to death. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, and so, so if I ask for no onion on my sandwich or whatever, and they bring me onion, I'm not the type of person that will, um, like, complain or whatever. I'll just pick it off, eat it, but I'll never come back. <laughs> kind of hang like I'm just kind of a bit passive-aggressive. And, and, like, if I have to wait a long time for that, my meal and they don't tell me it's going to take a long time because that's their job, to serve me a meal kind of thing. If I have to wait a long time, again, I won't come back. I won't complain about it. Well, like my dad, every time I go out with my dad, is he here? He, um, he's, um, um, he, he always, like, as soon as we're waiting longer than five minutes, he's like, like, I remember once we're coming home, somewhere we're in Kaima, and we're having bacon and eggs and that, and he grabbed the waiter and like, mate, is the chef still trying to catch that chicken to get the eggs or what? Like, and I'm like, dad, it's been five minutes. Just calm down. But um, like, he, he will complain, I won't, I'll just, I'll just wait and be patient and then never come back. <laughs> like, passive, passive aggressive. But like, but could you imagine if I approached my home, like a restaurant, if I came home and sat down and I'm like, where's me damn water? Like, kind of thing, who's getting me water? Like, they'll be like, get your own water. It's in the sink. Or like, who's cooking my dinner? Kind of thing. Like, hurry up with dinner. And they're like, you're cooking dinner. Like, do it yourself. Or, you know, like, or if you go to a hotel, like, if you... Recently, I went to, um, over to New Zealand for a meeting and I just stayed in the budget Ibis, it was called. And that's what it was. It was budget. Like, it was literally a bed and I had one little chair. I don't even know if you... I didn't sit on it because it looked too dodgy. But, like, that's what I expect. That's what I paid for. And I was, I was fine with that because it was called the budget Ibis. But if I went and paid for someone like um, Bannisters or Novotel or something and I got the same in the budget Ibis, like, I wouldn't. But imagine if... I, and, and even when you stay in those kind of nice hotels, like, there's an expectation that they'll come and make your bed for you, they'll pick up your clothes and all that. But imagine if I did that at home, like, why aren't my clothes picked up? And that... <laughs> I would never say that because the clothes just stay on the floor anyway. But, like, why isn't the bed made? Like, if I kind of talk to Sarah, like, why aren't you doing that? Like, could you imagine if I approached um, my home like I approached it like a restaurant? You know, if I approach my house like a restaurant, it's problematic. It doesn't work. Again, how you view something, even if it is subconsciously how you view something, how you view something, how you see something is how you interact with it and engage with it. I'm going to get a drink. You know, and we have... Many people, because of our Western society, but approach church wrong. You can't approach church like that because the church is not a business. It's not a place that you bring your business and decide. You don't come to church and decide, but I'm going to take my business elsewhere. But church is a house where you find family. But church is a house where you find family to be equipped and empowered. Ephesians 4.11, talking about maturing and becoming not children. It's a family we're describing here, not a business. You know, and that's why these gatherings and when we gather, the family gatherings are so critical. They're so important, but they're not a restaurant. 
Um, I'm going to play a bit of a um, clip from Banning. Leave you. I think Ryan's got a photo of him, so you can just look at his photo as he's talking and imagine this bloke talking from a bit of a podcast. But um, it's, it's really cool, and he says this next bit way better than I could. They're so important, but they're not a restaurant. When I, I grew up in a, a, a home that, uh, that was... My, my extended family was pretty messed up and disconnected, so I didn't really grow up with um, grandparents. I, I saw, out of the four sets of grandparents who were all remarried and everything, I kind of saw one every once in a while, and then all the other ones, didn't, I was a little kid when I saw them. Didn't really have aunts and uncles. So, so holidays for us was me, my sister, my mom, and my dad. And uh, um, at Christmas, it was fascinating, Christmas, It'd be me and my mom and my dad and my sister. We'd sit there and uh, I'd open a gift and we'd talk about my gift and discuss my gift and we'd move on to my sister and she'd open up her gift and we'd talk about it and discuss it. We'd move on to my mom. That was kind of our Christmas day. And then I married into my wife's family. And my wife's family, not only are there multiple, you know, because they've been married, there's, there's step and half and there's just, there's just siblings everywhere, there's cousins everywhere, there's aunts and uncles everywhere, there's grandparents everywhere, uh, there's people that literally aren't even part of the, like, I was at Christmas, this is the truth, I remember going to Christmas, there were like 50 people at their Christmas, and, and I was like, hey, who's that guy? When we're free, she's like, oh, that's my brother Dave. I'm like, oh, Dave, like at your mom's side, your dad's side, or, uh, she goes, no, neither really. I'm like, well, how's he your brother? She goes, well, I don't know. He just started coming around in high school, and we just started calling him brother. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. He's just been around for 20 years. We call him brother. Like, she was dead serious. Like, that's my brother Dave. Oh, he's your mom's son? Dad? No, neither really. We just, I'm like, you can't. What? And I remember just, just, the, just the beautiful chaos of sitting down in Christmas time and everybody started opening a present at once. And I'm like, whoa, whoa! I haven't finished opening my present yet! You can't just start opening your present right now! We haven't even talked about my present! Well, because of my wife's family, my favorite holiday and you guys, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I, I don't know what would be a similar holiday for you guys, but my favorite holiday now, because of my wife's family, is Thanksgiving. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's just the whole family comes together. It's a day spent. We, we watch football, and we hang out, we talk, and we catch up with people we haven't seen. And it's, just, it's just my favorite holiday. But when we gather as family, when I, when I started going at 19 years old, I, I'm 40, 21 years ago. At 19 years old, I showed up at this family gathering with CJ, and uh, somebody handed me a potato peeler and a bag of potatoes, sweet potatoes, and yams. And so I'm like, all right, I guess my job's to peel potatoes. And I just peel potatoes. And I am not exaggerating. That is now my official job at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. I'm a grown man. And last Thanksgiving, when I got there, I, have my own, I actually got my own potato peeler now. Like one from Japan that's super sharp. It's, it's amazing, actually. It's sweet. I, I take great pride in my potato peeling. But sure enough, I go there. It's not even a question anymore. They're just like, there's, uh, 21 years later, there's your potatoes. And, and so I peel potatoes. My, my job at Thanksgiving is to peel potatoes. And you know what? I love it. I have, not because I have a passion for potato peeling. 
I don't feel called to potato peeling. I don't have a passion for potato peeling. I, I, I never thought about potato peeling. But, but when I get together with my family, I love it because I just want to do whatever I can to contribute to making this the best Thanksgiving ever. The best Thanksgiving ever. And so, like, I just jump in. If this is what I've got to do to make sure this is a great Thanksgiving, I'll do it. And, and I don't, and, and listen, the, the reason why you have to, and I love doing it because I'm with aunts and uncles and cousins and I'm ha ha catching up with my brother-in-laws and, and I love it. I love it because it's family. We've got to get some of this stuff, man. Sometimes we approach a church like it's a business and there's like a corporate leadership ladder to climb. Can I just say right now, there's no leadership ladder to climb in, in the family. Like there's order, there's order, there's structure, but, but there, you don't climb a leadership ladder, you mature. Which I'll talk about in just a second, but, but the, it, honestly, there's not a, it's not like, oh man, they're climbing the leadership ladder. No, they're just maturing and becoming fathers and mothers. Right? I, I like never once have I ever sat with my potato peeler looking over the turkey carver going one day. I won't be here forever. Started at the bottom, but oh man. That's where I'm going. That's the most valuable spot right there. I, it never even crossed my mind. Because it's family. And, and here's the other thing. I don't even get any credit. Do you know that the favorite dish, the, 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 the dish that everybody loves at Thanksgiving, is, the, is this sweet potato casserole that, her, that the 94-year-old granny, it's, it's it, it, granny who's 94, it's her recipe. She doesn't make it anymore, now the kids make it. But, but they make this sweet potato casserole. It's unbelievable, it's unreal, it goes the fastest. And, and it's, you know, it's just sweet potato and yams, and, and every time somebody's eating it, just going, oh, this is so good. I'm just over there going. You're welcome. <laughs> Those sweet potatoes didn't peel themselves. <laughs> like, I, I don't say that out loud because nobody gives me credit for that dish at all. But, but I know, I know who peeled those potatoes. <laughs> yeah, 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 you liking that dish? Yeah, 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 you're welcome, because, right? But I don't need a thank you. I honestly, I, I don't need a thank you. I just wanna, I just wanna make sure this is the best family gathering ever. That's what I want. See, when, when we gather as a family, do, do you know why, do you know why as pastors we, we push this issue of serving so much? It's not because we're trying to build a business and it's not because we need workers. It's not because well, we, need, we need bodies to do stuff so we can build this business. No. We want people serving because that's the natural, healthy flow of a family. When, I, when we gather on Thanksgiving, this is what we ask our people. Literally, I'm like, I'm not looking for people. I'm not, I'm not desperate in need of greeters so that we can build something. This is just family. So when we gather at Thanksgiving, there's three types of people that don't actually contribute and help. There's the children, right? And we're not mad at them. They just haven't matured yet, right? The, the, the pastors have passed, 
Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, their job is to mature people. Through equipping and through edification, the goal is maturity. No longer children. That's the goal. And so my 10-year-old son, he doesn't, he doesn't serve at Thanksgiving. And I'm not upset with him about that. He's 10. But eventually he's going, eventually, if he's doing, if, you know, if he's 20 and doing the same thing, that ain't good. So, so kids don't. Guests don't. I'm totally fine with that. Guests come in. We're like, come, we're here to serve you. Don't, you don't need to jump in. We've got some people in our church that have been there for a little bit. They're still not quite sure if they're family yet. They're trying to figure it out. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not everybody in our church is serving because I'm like, listen, but my goal is to mature you or to eventually make you feel part of the family. But there are people that are like, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm not quite sure yet. I'm okay with that. Right? Those are two groups I'm okay with. But what, what I'm not okay with is the third group, which is the adult the immature adult who at Thanksgiving, it's, you know, it's the one uncle who sits on the couch and just yells for people to come bring him drinks while he's watching football. Like, that's not normal. That's weird. Right? That's weird. And so why do we, why do we ask people to serve? Because that's what family does. It's, it, it's because we just contribute. We just jump in. What can we do to make this the best? What can we do so that as we gather to encounter our Father and we bring people in, and I'll talk about the harvest in this, but we, and, that, and that guests come in and that people that are, are maybe growing in their faith, that they're able to, like, it's family. It's not a business. Nobody thinks about this. Again, if I, I do not go into a restaurant and tell the waiter, hey, anything I can do? Anything I can help? You need some, you need some help cleaning up or... Can I jump in and what? Well, 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 I, I don't even think like that when I go to a restaurant. I'm bringing my money. You're going to, I, I'm paying you to do something for me. But I don't think like that in the house. I don't think like, and it's family. The church is, is, is not. A... Cool. Thanks, Ben. Um, yeah, he said that way better than I could. That was really cool. Hey, just, just about like. That's, that's, why, that's why we serve in the house. That's why I do it, because we're a family, we're growing, we're maturing, and all of that. And I just, I just love that. And I was trying to think of a story on my own, like, what can I do? But that was just such a cool story, and that, the potato peeler. Um, oh, where am I? Cool. All right. You know, the house is where you can encounter the Father, find your family, discover your identity, experience healing, wholeness, and encouragement. Walk in your destiny. Be equipped for ministry, mature to become mothers and fathers, and to be sent back into the community to make an impact. Family requires individual growth and maturity in a way that business doesn't. You see, and Banning said this, um, in the business world you are climbing a leadership ladder. In a family you are maturing, and there are different issues. You know, authority, authority comes with maturity. Empowerment comes with maturity. People want to... People want to be empowered, you know, but I don't give my keys to my eight-year-old son. I'll give them to him when he's 16 with supervision, but I don't give them to him when he's eight because he's not mature yet to drive. You know, people can think that it's when leadership comes that they'll be empowered, but when maturity happens, it's when maturity happens, that's when empowerment comes. You know, it's not the goal of the church to raise sons and daughters but it's the goal of the church to raise mothers and fathers. You know, for me, I'm not raising three sons and a daughter. I'm raising three fathers and a mother. You know, that's the goal. 
So how do we empower, how do we give authority to people in family? Because it's different to a business. It's not always based on skill. It's based on maturity. A family requires maturity. What God requires of my life is maturity. And that's why he gave us the gifts in Ephesians 4, the evangelists, the prophet, etc. He gave us those gifts so that they can both equip us and edify us so that we can become mature and no longer a child. One of the main signs of maturity is what we call personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is something I believe that God wants to get back into the church. It's not something that is required in a restaurant, but it's something that is required in a home. You know, personal responsibility is something that is required in a home. It's a sign of maturity. You know, I can tell my kids are maturing when they start to take on more responsibility, internal, not just external. Not just me telling them to do it, they actually start to do things for themselves. You know, like I'm all for great programs and, and all of that. They're great, they help and, and, and all of that and they help build church and build people. But what I've discovered is that some people come into or in church expecting the church, the organisation called the church, and the leadership of the church to build something that lives their normal Christian life for them. If you're a follower of Jesus, this means he requires things of you. Like that you pray, you help people, you pray for the sick, you take care of the poor, you share your faith, that you disciple people, that you let people into your life. This is just the normal Christian life that you give, that you're generous. Um, I'm just going to play another little quick two-minute this time clip from Banny, and then we'll keep going. So, oh, oh, before I do, have you got that ready? And that? It's, this is him talking about when he, he's just gone and planted a church and he's experiencing the questions people asked when he planted a church. That you let people into your life. That, you know, like this is just a normal Christian life that you give, that you're generous. And, and so it was so interesting coming and planting a church. When we planted the church, and even still, very simple. Like, we just we didn't have a lot going on. We got Sunday services, and like, there wasn't a lot happening when we planted. And so people would come, and these weren't all new believers, but they would come, and, and, and they're like, hey, they want to come. They're like, hey, Benny, now, uh, uh, how do I get plugged into community around here? What do I do? And what they're wanting to know is what's your small group structure, which I'm not opposed to small groups, but this is what they're wanting How do I get plugged in? And we, don't, we didn't have any of that. How do I find community around here? And I'm like, well, you uh, invite somebody over to your house for dinner. Yeah. And they were like, it was like, dear, like, what? What? No, no, no. I'm talking about like, what have you built to help me get plugged into community? I'm like, I haven't. Well, how do I get plugged into community? I'll take somebody to Starbucks. And it was like, I don't even know, what? And it was just so fascinating to me. I'm like, we don't even know how to do community unless somebody builds something for us. Listen, if nobody ever builds a small group structure for you, guess what? You're still called to go get into community because that's what Jesus calls you to do, right? I mean, small group structures are important and they're helpful, but, but people, people would be coming up, you know, it, it'd be like if somebody came up and is like, hey, my neighbor just got saved, where's your new believers class? My answer would be, in your living room. in your living room it's not my job to disciple your neighbor it's my job to equip you to disciple your neighbor it's your job to disciple your neighbor it's not the corporation's job people be like hey what's our church doing they want to know what the corporation called the church what's our church doing to take care of the poor 
I don't know. What are you doing to take care of the poor? I'm like, I don't know what you're doing to take care of the poor. I don't, I don't know what all of our people are doing to take care of the poor. I haven't asked them. But, but we've lost this sense. It's because I really think we've approached it as a business, not a family. We've lost this sense of personal responsibility. Hey, what are we making for dinner? I don't know. What are we making for dinner? Like, and we jump in and we've lost that sense of personal responsibility somewhat where it's like, guess what? Guess whose job it is to take care of the poor? Yours. Guess whose job it is to disciple people? Yours. Guess whose job it is to get community? You, like, and there's this person, and that's just, it's just a sign of maturity. <laughs> we somehow come and, and... That was cool, eh? Challenging? You know, the cool thing about maturing is that we get to start to take on these things ourselves. We no longer need someone to fire us up about prayer. You already own that yourself. You know, um, I, just, I don't want to be up here and being a cheerleader for you to get up here and think of one more way to try and, conv- and to convince you to do what Jesus had already asked you to do. I just want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit and have him be an internal motivation for you to give, for you to pray, etc. You know, the church is a family, not a business. And this has a huge impact on the harvest. The Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. If we want to see the harvest in our community, then we need to talk about the church as a family. God doesn't put the lonely in business. He puts them in family. You know, and healthy families are one of the most attractive things on this planet. You know, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family... You, you, as a kid, you were always kind of drawn to the healthy families. They were the ones you wanted to go and hang out with. You felt drawn to them. There's something about a healthy family that is so attractive when you see it in opera, operation. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know for, for Sarah and I at our home, um, we, like, we have lots of kids coming in and out. Like, sometimes I put my head up and I'm like, well, where the heck did all these kids come from? Like, there's, there's literally one time I looked up and I'm like, there's my four, there's, I don't know who those ten are. Like, there's these kids, and there's these kids that come to our house, and they don't want to leave, and sometimes they cry when it's time for them to go. And, that, and, and it's because, and I'm not saying we're the perfect family, we've got a heck of a lot to work through, but there's something of healthy community in our household that, that people are drawn and want to stay. You know, I know as a kid, the houses I wanted to go and hang out with, the friends I wanted to go out with, were um, the healthy families, the families that were whole, the families that, you know, there's one mate I had particularly, whose dad was a butcher and they had heaps of chickens, so I always wanted to hang out there because they just had the best food and they had a, yeah, just a really cool family outcome and his sister would always cook me breakfast in bed and, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that's the families I wanted to go and hang, hang out with. Um, you know, Jesus makes it very clear that the way we interact with one another, the way I interact with Tom, is actually proof that the Father sent Jesus. This is a sober in fact, where people are going to look at the church and if they see the church operating as a business, a business that you don't lay your life down for, for one another. You do that in family. John 13, 34-35 says... A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you, follow, if you love one another. But if you go on to John 17, John 17, verse 23, it says, I in them and you in me, this is Jesus speaking, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
then the world will know that you sent me and I'll have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, here's the crazy thing. When we come together as a family and really love one another, you know, and that love looks like something, it's the love that, you know, that love that, um, no greater love that someone than someone that will lay down their life for one of his friends. That type of love, the world looks at that type of love and says Jesus really was sent from his father. That's John 17. This is family. You know, and I want, I want to lay down my life for the church. When people come in and see that, see people who like each other, cheer each other on, sacrifice for one another, are there for one another, when we love like that, it's one of the biggest testimonies we can give to the world because the world goes, Jesus really was sent from the Father. How do you know that? Because I'm watching his family love one another. That's how. You know, Benny touched on greeters before, and, you know, we call them, in America, they call them greeters, we call them welcome team or welcomers and that. But, you know, why, like, why do we have welcomers on the door? We don't have them because it's like a car dealership and we want to get people's business and we want to increase numbers. We don't want people running out to them and, like, trying to just make ourselves look good. You know, we have welcomers because it's a house, and when you come into my house, you need to feel welcome. You, you must feel welcome, and, you know... Um, there's people in our life that when I go into their house, I can't help but feel welcome. When we go to the Bell's house, whenever you go there, like, I guarantee that you f- just feel super welcome and, and, and feel loved and, and ask them stories about what their Christmas, I don't know if it's still looking like that, but what their Christmases look like. They have one of their daughters or son was going to Hillsong College and all the international kids, you know, wouldn't be able to go home. So they'll just be like, Bring them over, bring them to our house. And, you know, that, and they, all these kids would feel welcome. I remember before Sarah and I had kids, we lived in this house at um, Brill Lake and it was right opposite the Cricket Oval. So it was just the best, best house. Like we literally had the barbie out the front. Sometimes if I didn't want to walk from the cricket pitch back to the barbie, I'd just pull the barbie out onto the cricket pitch, set up a tent, um, little um, big umbrella thing. And, and, ain't, and um, not a tent, an umbrella. And, that, and, and we just had people over all the time, barbecues all the time. And I remember someone coming up to me, and I just wasn't used to it. There was one of the um, boys' girlfriends or something like that at the time coming up, like, thank you so much. Like, I can't believe you do this. And I'm like, this is just normal. You're welcome. Like, come back any time. Like, this is what we do. And, that, and it's the same in church. You're welcome. And, you know, in, yeah. We connect people and welcome people because it's a family. No one should be lonely. You know, that's why we do this stuff. That's why we serve. That's why we welcome people. That's why we give coffee after and all that because it's family and we, we're here together. You know, and, I, and we're talking about this today because I believe that God is preparing us for the harvest and God puts the lonely in family and he wants to shift our heart to view it as family so that we can ready, be ready to receive the harvest. He puts the lonely in family. You know, if you want to see the harvest come and a community change, we need to know that we are part of his family and we all have a part to play. When we play our part, our part in the family, it matters and makes a difference. And I'm just going to show a quick little scene from Finding Nemo, because it's a cool movie, about what it is when you work together, the difference you can make. Nemo? 
Nemo? thing and not contributing in that but as soon as they started putting their like contributing together doing their part playing their role it didn't matter if there are the fish at the bottom or the top or wherever that is all we just got to do our part and do our thing that's when we start to see momentum change that's when we start to see things happen and that and that's what if we can start in the family atmosphere within this church if we can start having that mindset start thinking like that that, I believe, is when we're going to actually start seeing a transformation in our community, a transformation in the people in our lives around us and all that. We all have a role to play. We all have our part to play. We all have our own special gifts and, and abilities and things that we bring to the table. And, and if we can all just champion each other on, believe in each other, support each other, have each other's back, I believe that's when we're going to see communities transform, nations won, souls saved and all that. And that's what it's all about. Cool? That's my sermon there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to quickly pray. Um, we might just get the band to come and finish with a song of some sort. Victory. Cool. So, Father God, we just thank you for the God you are, Lord. We just thank you that you are holy and worthy to be praised, Lord God. We thank you that you are our Father and you've given us the perfect example, Father God, of how we need to, to be in this world, Lord God, to love one another. Lord God, and I just pray as a group that we... We, we can just be a family, Father God. We can be open. We can yeah. be honest. Lord God, we can all know that um, we're contributing our part. and We don't need to be threatened. We don't need to worry about what the person is doing next to us because they've got our back, yeah. Lord God. And we're just thankful for who you are, for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.